Are you come? Uh, how many of you uh, have gotten to practice your 15-second testimony from last week? I've heard about 25 of them, uh, but Yasmin practiced her 15-second testimony, and then she got to share it to someone at work. And so I just wanted you to hear this testimony of what the Lord did through the tool we learned last Sunday. Yasmin, share with us. Thank you. So I am a therapist, and so it's not our MO to ever share about Jesus on our own. So I have a client. I can only have three sessions uh, with these clients. And so this is her second session, and she's pouring her heart and her soul. And I hear her share and share. And I'm thinking about all the resources she, she, I, I have already thought about giving her. But as I hear her crowd and say, like, I just feel so alone, I just kept feeling like she needs Jesus, she needs a friend, and she needs her father. And so I was moved by compassion, and I was just like, I have not heard her talk about God or Jesus or anything in, the last, in these two sessions. And so I say a quick little prayer, like, oh, I, I wonder if she knows the Lord, you know. And then she's in the middle of her crying, she says, you know, and I just have God. That's all I have. I just don't know. And then I'm just like, yes, there's the opening. And so immediately, immediately I said, I said, you know, there was a time in my life when I lived in fear and shame and I lived in fear and shame. But then I had an encounter with a God who hears my prayers in the Bible. And that now I live confident about the future and with lots of peace. And she was like, you know, I remember a time. <laughs> I remember a time when she has a, a, a child who's eight years old. And in that time, she remembered that she didn't have anything for her baby. And she had been crying now, God, if you are real, please help me. And so she remembered that a few days after that prayer, somebody knocked on her door and asked her if she needed anything. She said her family members were telling her, no, tell them no, tell them no. And she said, but, so I just closed the door. But they came back the next day. And when they came back, I was alone. And she said, and then I knew, like, God had heard my prayers. They showed up with a car full of baby items. And she just started crying in that session. And so it just reminded her of the God who hears her. Um, So that was just amazing to have a really quick way to share the Lord in a non-threatening way um, for in a session that's really it's really not normal for us to have that opportunity so praise the Lord for that what Yasmin shared with me last night she said in that session it was so hopeless she was stuck the woman was stuck but when she said about God and then it opened the door for Yasmin to share, she got filled with hope for a moment. She remembered how the Lord had touched her. Isn't that awesome? Just in a quick testimony, 15 seconds, this is what the Lord has done, can open the door for the Lord to come in. Should you turn to each other and share your 15-second testimonies? Probably. Let's try it. If you weren't here last week, just share something that the Lord's done in your life in a very quick way or share something about who you are.
All right, 15 seconds is over. It's <laughs> good. Very kind. Awesome, it's really good to practice. Uh, you heard mine several times last week, but I'll give you one that I heard the other day. It was a man who was Lebanese, like I am, and he said there was a time in his life when he hated Palestinians and Jews because of what they had done to his family of origin. But he began to read the scriptures and pray for the people he hated. And as a result, he knew a miracle had taken place in his life that he could pray for and love the people that he hated. He knew God was real and put his trust in him. Do you have a story like that? Isn't that powerful? Family, I want to encourage you this morning. I think I have some, um, something that can be of use for us as we journey together as the Lord's family. <laughs> and I hope that... Um, we can receive his freedom and healing as we hear about how God designed his church to function. Is that all right? So um, can we agree that the church is the people of God? Sometimes it gets confusing when we say we're going to church, meaning we're going to the church building, because the building isn't the church, but the people of God are the church. Those who have been baptized into Jesus' name are the people of God, right? The family of God. So I'm not the church. Me, Guile, Jono, the elders, we're not the church. We all are the church, right? Each one of us is the church of the living God. His people that have been set apart for him. Do you believe that you're the church of the living God? Well, Paul really believed that. He had been given a revelation of the design that Jesus wanted for his people. And um, Paul gives us some important instruction for us as individuals and then us collectively as a unit, as the family of God. And it it's going to be helpful for us in how we come together in his name and how we go about doing the work he asked us to do. How we go about being Jesus' disciples and being near and like Jesus. Is that okay? Are you ready to hear Paul's instructions for the churches? These are letters he wrote to the people in Rome who believed and to the people in Corinth who believed. And he was talking to them about how the Lord designed things to go. All right? So, Romans 12, 1 through 5. Oh, I got to get this. Paul says to them, you know, right before this, he's talking about how merciful the Lord is, and he's saying how amazing God is. He's never needed anyone, anything. He's boundless. He's awesome. And then he says this. We know there was something before because it says, therefore. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can we sit in that for a moment? Because of all that God has done, let's offer our bodies as a sacrifice to God. It's pretty crazy to teach this message coming off of those two prophecies among us. They confirm the message. They confirm the Lord's scripture. So I hope you can see that as we continue to unpack this. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of true and proper worship. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not consider yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and we each belong to all the others. How many of you know in a human body, everything's connected to each other? Right? I have a friend who had a small portion of one toe removed, And it causes balance issues for walking for one portion of one toe to be removed. How insignificant it seems and how much it affects every moment of this man's walking life, right? A tiny portion of this toe belongs to all the other parts. It hinders it. He thinks about it. He moves with it. He's saying, just like we are one church but we all have different functions, just as the Lord distributed them. He likes that he made things that way. He likes that each one of us is different to make up one thing together. Let's keep reading through what Paul says now to the Corinthians. He continues in this vein. So he elaborates more, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, and so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but it's made up of many. Now, listen to this. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. Just because it said so, that wouldn't make it true. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. Just because it said it wasn't a part of the body wouldn't make it true. If the whole body were an eye, oh, 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? That'd be creepy. Just one big eye blinking at you. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And those are just two parts of the whole body. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but there's one body. Let's say together, there's many parts, but one body. Now, on the other hand, no pun intended, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that were unpresentable are treated with special modesty, where our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. He's the one who put it together. He has a design for us giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, then every part suffers. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. (laughs) Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Do you think it's true? Thanks, Craig. (laughs) When we come into the Lord, in view of all that God has done, we offer our bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice. We say, I'm in it to serve you. You rescued me from death. I'll serve you whatever way I can. And the way we serve him is we serve each other. We are needed in the body of Christ. And we know it's true because God designed things in that way. Counter to the way of this world, we're going to need each other and we all belong to each other. One of the philosophies of this age is that we can do things on our own. That we have everything we need. We're not limited. We're many gods I have everything I need, and I, should, I can just work hard, hustle enough, and I, in and of myself, can handle it. And that's not how he designed things, so then it starts to crack open. It's just not true. It's a nice idea, but it's just not true. It's not how we were designed. We were designed to belong to each other, whether we like it or not, right? And we're all very limited, right? And I can't be a hand. It's just, it's just absolutely impossible. That has nothing to do with each other, but we need each other. So one thing I want you to for sure leave here today with is that you are essential. The system of this world says that only certain people are essential, right? During COVID, that's what was said in a funny way, right? Slash not funny. But you, each one of you, are essential for the health of our body. Do you think that's true?
Each one of you is essential. Just like a tiny tip of a toe is essential for us to walk in a right manner, each one of us are essential, no matter how small or how imperative to the body. It's just the way we were designed. And the problem with that, though, is that we need you. Each one of us in here, we need each other, and we depend on each other. We rely on each other. And you rely on the rest of us. That's the trick. You need us, we need you. Can you turn to the people around you and say, you need me? Now, can you turn to the people around you and say, I need you? (laughs) Here's something that tends to happen. It's a normal default thought that we don't even have. We might not ever even have this thought. But you know how Paul warns them in Romans, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but think of yourselves in sober judgment in accordance with what the Lord's given you. But the problem is we can fall into pride in one of two ways. We can either think that we have everything and we're not limited in any way, that we can rely on ourselves and no one else, so we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Or we can think of ourselves more lowly than we ought to. Still pride. No one needs me. No one wants me. No, it doesn't matter if anyone in this church knows who I am. It won't make a difference. Both those things are untrue. And we have to come together to receive healing from the Lord. Maybe even someone told you that was the case within the church. They said, we don't need you. Just because they said that wouldn't make it true. Right? Just because the eye would say to the hand, I don't need you, it's still for that reason when make it true. Right? Maybe you said about something in the body, I don't need that part. I'll leave that out. I don't need it. And just because you said that, it wouldn't make it true. We need each other and we belong to each other. So could we just take a moment and examine our hearts before the Lord? if we happen to fall in one of these two camps of pride, do you think of yourself more highly than you ought to? Another way to wonder about this is, do I believe that I'm limited in myself and I need the people of God? Let's pause and just consider this now. Lord, if if there's any one of us who has this pride that we don't think we need each other, that we're not limited in what you've distributed to us, would you bless us now and free us up? The Lord will heal us from these things, even from long ago, because it's really true that we need you and you need us. 
what do you think? Do you think of yourself more lowly than is true? That it won't matter if I contribute to this church, to the family of God, to the work we're building with the Lord? It won't matter. And another way to think about this is, do I believe I'm needed in the church and I have something of value to contribute? Am I thinking too lowly of myself? Let's just ask the Lord. Lord, is there any pride in our hearts that we think you haven't given us anything to contribute? The Lord wants us to walk in humility like he did. Humility is a freedom because we can be who we really are, right? We can be limited and needed at the same time, right? We can be who we really are in need and have something to contribute. And that's the case for each one of us here in this room, all those who belong to the family of God. We're limited, and we are needed. Okay, you know what else? As we belong to each other, one of the reasons this is the case is you have gifts. You have something. You want to hear about them? This is a whole message in itself, but I want you to know that it's true. Here's what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 12, he doesn't want you to be uninformed. He doesn't want the churches to be uninformed. Now about spiritual gifts, what? Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but... In all of them, in everyone, is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of that same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healing by the same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. We saw that today to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of languages, tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Right? In Romans, he says this in the same way. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve it up. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouragement, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Are you recognizing as we read this any gifts that you may have?
There's all this the more in the body. These are the spiritual gifts, and it demands a whole other teaching. But as you continue to read in 1 Corinthians 14, 13, it'll continue to reveal some of how to play those out. But here's the bottom line. The church, the people of God, you, let's turn to each other and say, you are the church. The church, the people of God, you, need you to use your gifts. We need to be built up for the common good to do the work the Lord prepared for us. And each of you have something to contribute. We need you to use your gifts so we have what we need. We're a healthy body. We can function in health. How many, if some, even like a hangnail, anything is going on in the body, it's so noticeable, right? And if over time something is going on, it's a disease begins to happen. We need everyone, all parts, all members of the body to play their part, to use their gifts so that we can be who we need to be. We need every one of us. Right now, as a church family, we need the gift of leadership a lot. We need people to come together in smaller ways so that all the gifts can come together, right? All the gifts can be utilized. How many gifts can happen in a room this large, maybe 400 people? There's some gifts being used, but not all of them can in this meeting. This is used for a specific purpose, for leadership, for celebration, right? We got to prophesy prophecies, but not all the gifts can be utilized. But as we get smaller and smaller, we can go up to each other and give a word of knowledge. We can lay hands on each other and heal one another in the Lord's name, right? We can slip money into people's purses who need it, right? We can offer compassion and mercy to each other, but it would be harder in this room. That's more a smaller one-on-one type of vibe, right? And so we need leaders, we need people, qualified leaders to lead small groups. And then we're going to need people to open up their homes in hospitality, right? And then we're, what other parts are we going to need? We're going to need teachers. We're going to need people who have the gift of mercy, right? We're going to need all manners of gifts, creativity, service. We need people to put out chairs. Can we thank Joe and Greg and Dan? You know, they, they took down all these rows, put up tables for our foundation, then rebuild this room. And they're going to do that the next six weeks. We, we needed that, you know? There's a lot of things to be done in a family. Just think about your family. And there's a lot of things to, that need to happen in a family this large, isn't there? During COVID, you know, what? one of the gifts we needed was people making food for others, right? Because we had so many meal trains going on because people were so sick. We needed people to make meals and bring them to people who had a need for them, right? So it may be that simple. So... 
You know what's really wild is that these aren't just nice things to say. Paul really lived them and knew it was true. Paul wasn't saying, hey, in the churches, do this. He lived it. He knew this was God's design and we had to function in this way. And he reaped the benefits of this. And, you know, we don't really, we we need to discover together what this is going to mean for us to all use our gifts and all belonging to each other, what that really means. We're in a society that we don't all belong to each other. We live independent lives, but we were designed to rely on each other, hold tightly to each other. How many of you have reaped the benefits of that in your life? I hope every hand we can raise soon, that we can all look around and say, these things may be hard, but they're true, and I've I've reaped the benefits of this design. I want to read just the rest of, uh, this is an odd passage to do a teaching on, but it's Romans 16. It's the farewell in Paul's letter to the Romans. And um, Paul just makes a list of people that he wants to thank. And, and love on and give some attention to. And I think it'll be useful for us to see how many people played a part in the work that Paul had a ministry in, right? He had a ministry. He was sent by a church. They confirmed, there's something on you. Go and do this with a team of people. And he wasn't in and of himself. He had all these people and more surrounding him. Even though we can say Paul wrote these letters, Paul was a church leader, Paul had a special anointing, he still needed the church. So I want to I wanna bless us by reading this. I hope you can see yourself in some of these things. As we read this, would you take note of all the different jobs, roles, gifts that people had that he's wanting to draw attention to? Also, you can write down any potential names for your children in the future. Also, you can begin to think of rewards you can give me for getting through these lists of names. (laughs) But look at this. I commend you our sister Phoebe. Let me see. I commend you our sister Phoebe. She's a deacon of the church. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor. She's giving money to many people, including Paul. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, for they risked their lives for me. And not only I, but for all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. They're co-workers with him. Greet my dear friend Epinitus who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Wouldn't that be cool? You're the first one among your people group to know the gospel. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. We have a lot of women among us who work very hard for this body. Nancy Smith, Nancy Phillips, Christina McIndorfer, Shelley. We, we could just keep going and going with the women who work hard among us that we marvel at. Greet these Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They were with him. They are outstanding among the apostles. These women were apostles. They were in Christ before I was. 
Greet my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our coworker in Christ, and my dear friend. Greet Apelles, whose, whose faithfulness has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Arabolus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narsus who are in the Lord. And greet these women who work very hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who works very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. How many of you, we need our mothers and our fathers. We need spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers. This woman was a mother to Paul. He's in prison. He needed a mother, right? Rufus's mother provided that for him. What about all these brothers and sisters? <laughs> Come on, don't make me. <laughs> I, I saw Spencer right when it said a holy kiss. Spencer used to give holy kisses to the people of God. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as does Lucius, Jason, that guy, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, wrote down this <laughs> wrote down this letter, and I greet you in the Lord. Even the guy who needed to write down the letter for Paul is mentioned. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church enjoy, they send you greetings and greet Aristatus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Cordus send you their greetings. What did you did you notice? <laughs> There's a lot of jobs. He just listed a few, right? Thanks. That was my reward. <laughs> he just listed a few. Maybe maybe you have one of these. You're a woman who works hard for the Lord. We need you. You're offering your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Each one of you have things to contribute. And we need you. You know, one time we were going through this exercise and one of our deacons said, she's like, right now I'm going through a really intense time of healing and I don't have a lot of emotional capacity. So she had a gift of leadership. She was a teacher. She had a plethora of gifts, even pastoral care she had. But she said, in this season, I really can't provide those gifts for anyone. I need a lot of care and help myself. I can't provide leadership and so as we are filling out, Lord, what gifts have you given me that I can give to the body during this time? She said, but what I can give is a gift of creativity, and I can open up my home for someone else to lead. And so for that season, she did a ton of, actually just two, she did two creative things for us, and it really blessed our church. And she opened up her home. She contributed what she had to give through the grace the Lord had given her, even though she also had numerous other gifts, including leadership, but she, she couldn't bring it to us during that time, right? What, what are some of the skills, the roles, the graces, the gifts the Lord has given you 
to provide help and care to this body. I wonder what they are. Each one of you has things to contribute, and we really need you. We need older men and women to disciple and train up younger men and women. Right? If you're a younger person who wants to be discipled by someone older, would you raise your hand? Look at all these hands, older people. Right? We, we need you to disciple us and show us how to follow the Lord. There are jobs for each one of us. We need to know how to make meals because people are going to keep having babies, people are going to keep getting sick, and we need to be trained how to make meals for people. Right? These are just simple things, but our standard that we have to know. We need qualified leaders to serve and build up our body and to pull these gifts out of people. Let's, uh, let's pause and just ask the Lord. This is something to continue to reflect on because it's a journey our whole life and it's something that will remain true in the church. So you don't have to figure it out today, but I want you to hold it in your heart and figure it out with him. Let's ask the Lord, what gifts has he given me to contribute in this season? As you think through that, you may not know. We may need each other to point out the gifts that each of us have, right? But we won't be able to point those out if we don't know and love each other. So we might need to practice some gifts. We might think, I think I have the gift of hospitality, but I haven't had many opportunities to use it. Maybe you could practice, invite some people into your home, Seek people you know are good at making meals and ask them to teach you. You know, there may be some practice needed to, to use these gifts. We may need to gain maturity in the gifts we know we have, but it's hard to wield them, right? Or we may need mentorship in them. Let's just ask the Lord again, is there anything we can, any gifts we can practice? Is there any mentorship we need in something that's coming to mind? Holy Spirit, would you bring to our minds and hearts what you have for each one of us to contribute in these days? And would you give us creativity as we discover this? How, how can you use all of us? It's your design. So would you bless us with the knowledge of it and help us to make room for each other? Would you speak to our hearts now? Anything else you would have us do?
We really need you in the body of Christ. We really need you. And I hope that as we continue to walk together, we see how true that really is. We see how true it really is that we're going to have to depend and lean on each other to be the body of Christ, just as we're depending on him and offering our lives to him. We need you. We need you. You're really needed, and you need us. Amen? Lord, teach us if it's true. Teach us. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Love you, church.